Hey there. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Lakeside. I'm your host, Daniel Stombaugh, and I'm glad you're here with me today. We are going to have a transformational day today. We're going to take the next few minutes and talk about our identity in Christ, that is who we are in him and who we are to him. And this is powerful because identity brings purpose. Let's get started. Welcome back to Lakeside. This is episode number 19, and we're in Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse number 6. And I was warned you in the last podcast that this particular one uh, was kind of graphic, and it is. It's, it's very strong in its connotation. Remember, uh, right at the very front, Song of Solomon 1.1, it made this claim. It said, this is the Song of Songs, which is the Song of Solomon's. It was basically saying, this is the greatest song that you're ever going to hear. And it was a bold claim. This is the greatest song ever that will ever be written, that ever has been written. And how can you make that claim? Because uh, so many good songs have been written. Solomon wrote 1,500 songs himself, and David wrote the psalm book, you know, psalms, and and, um, and Solomon had wrote his, and he was saying, Every, what you're about to read is the greatest song, greater than anything that my dad wrote, greater than anything that I wrote, greater than anything that has ever been written or ever will be written. And that was a fantastically ridiculous claim. Until you have to ask the question, what makes a great song great? It is not the lyrics and it is not the melody. It is the message that makes a great song great. What is the What was the artist trying to convey through the melody and the lyrics? And so the Song of Solomon is a song, and you have the lyrics, which is the shepherd girl and the king, and then you have have this melody, which is this sexual content, and it either one can be loud at any given point in time in the song, and so you can walk by, and if you just read it surface-wise, you say, oh, this is a book about sex or about marriage, and it does contain sex, and it does contain the elements of marriage, but it is not about sex and marriage. It's about relationship and in its entirety, and so you almost have to be asked the Holy Spirit to help you tune out or tone down the melody and tone down uh, the lyrics in order to understand and get the message and the picture symbolic picture that's being presented. And so uh, today is one of those days where as as we're going to go through this, chapter 2 and verse number 6, it has a very heavy uh, sexual connotation. So enjoy that part of it for what it is, and then just ask God to tone that down for you and say, hey, bring out the message. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. And so we're going to just get kicked kicked off right in this. So in this scene of the story, uh, we find the king and his bride at their royal dinner. And you remember, right, she walked in, his banner over her was love, and she sat there in the alcove with him, and underneath his protection and underneath his love and everything that is symbolized for her. And so she's looking over at him and she's seeing the things that that are taking place and she says she's overwhelmed. And we talked in the last podcast about just being overwhelmed with God and how powerful he was. But then watching that and understanding in all of God's awe and all of his power, the ability to create things and bring it to life with just a simple word, let there be. Uh, And it was so. The universe responded. God gave the command and the universe responded. And we saw that take place. And the power, sheer power involved there. And then to think, man, God is mindful of me. He's mindful of the things that I go through. He's, he's every aspect and ener- aspect of his energy towards me is designed to bring me into an understanding and into a level of relationship with him that is greater than what I would have chosen or what I do choose sometimes, how God is always reaching out for us. And so you see that's where the aspect of the story where they're sitting at dinner, they're looking over at him. Um, it's, we're going to see communication, expression, and rest. We're going to get we're right ready to hear some expression. We saw some communication and 
and then we're going to get to some expression and the expression is powerful but the rest when you meditate on what's actually been expressed is even more powerful and so she's seated with the king at this table she looks over to her king and his eyes are taking everything in all at once and remember she saw him at dinner and she's like he makes this look so easy like all of this stuff like this complicated stuff he made it look easy and it overwhelmed her and he's taking everything at once not just the guests but the servants and he's watching the amount of wine in the guest glasses and the food they're eating he's aware of everything all at once and then right as she's watching him like she's studying his jawline tense up and she knows that his attention has been captured and she's watching his facial muscles respond his eyes she's watching them scan the room and all of a sudden he does something completely off record off uh, off schedule off script whatever um, in the middle of looking over at everything he just turns and he looks at her and the same eyes that focused on guests are focused on her the same eyes that were focused on um, the party festivities and the, all the details are now focused on her and he looks over at her and when he sees her his eyes her, her eyes were focused intently on him it turns him on I mean, he is looking at the guests and looking at everything, and he looks over at her, and she's looking at him, and when he sees the way she's looking at him, it turns him on. And uh, he did not just say, hey, I'm really turned on right now. <laughs> waka, waka, waka. You know, one thing, that kind of stuff. He looked her in the eyes, and when he saw her looking at him, he just, he said, hey, I'm really turned on right now. He didn't just say that. No, he moved past communication. <laughs> <laughs> and he boldly went right into expression mode. <laughs> He's like, I'm the king, and I want you right now. I mean, he just moves right into it. And so we see chapter 2 and verse number 6 is really strong in content. It's really strong in melody, uh, but the message is beautiful. So hang in there, okay? It says, his left hand is under my head, and his right hand doth embrace me. And you look at that, and you could you could read it, and you could just say, uh, okay, whatever. He's he's giving her a hug. <laughs> or you can look at it for what he's actually doing and go, oh my. <laughs> or you can look at what he's doing, say, oh my, and then look at the message and go, wow, <laughs> dude. I mean, so we find this melody suddenly moving to a very loud level of activity. So as you read the passage, you find yourself looking at this very erotic and graphic image. She draws our attention first and foremost to his hands. And we need to see the melody, though, before we can look at the message while not being distracted by the melody. So we need to look at the melody and understand it and then move into the message. So his left hand, it talks about his hands. And very specific. Um, whenever you read stuff in the Bible, nothing's there by accident. It's always there for a reason. So look at what you're reading, and the names, places, um, environments, all the things that are going on. When when God used people in the Bible, He didn't just say uh, Nehemiah, you know. He or He didn't just use uh, Nehemiah. His name means comfort. Like Nehemiah was sent to comfort the nation, and literally God had comfort walk into these broken people. It's powerful, and there's no, nothing is by accident, no no names. Uh, Habakkuk means to wrestle, and Habakkuk was the guy that wrestled with God. He wrestled with his, and most people would say, God, I don't agree with you, uh, but Habakkuk just, he just challenged him, God, you're wrong. <laughs> like, they went at it for a little bit, back and forth, and Habakkuk got something out of God that very few people did. Uh, Habakkuk got God to explain why he was doing what he did, and so nothing is, is by accident. So when you read a verse like this, his left hand is under my head and his right hand doth embrace me. It's very, very key what's going on. The picture is very key and you need to understand it. So the hands are very important. The left hand there is the first one we look at and it's the hand that's, that's connected closest to the heart, okay? So his first inclination is to hold her 
in such a way where she can feel his heart beat the best. So his left hand is under her head, and it's, it's behind her neck. His fingers have slipped up behind her hair, and he's holding her head up against his chest. And it's where she can feel his heart beat. Okay, and then it goes to the right hand. And the right hand, when you see the right hand doth embrace me, embrace mean uh, embrace means to stimulate or to touch or to grab with fingers. <laughs> the right hand he is using is he's using that to satisfy her physically. So he's got his left hand under her head, holding it to his chest, and his right hand is moved downward and he is satisfying her physically. And I say that graphic melody is on full display here, but it's the melody that allows us to look at the message. Why list this out in detail for us? I mean, why? what's the symbolic takeaway from what's being presented here? I, you know, I read it and I was like, after I started to examine what was going on, examine the words, examine what was being used here, uh, man, it was like, whoa, why put this out here? But it's a, yes, it's a physical action, but there's an awesome spiritual picture created through this and you got to see it. And I see in this a picture presented to me of a king who wants to hold me close to him. Like that's God's desire. It has always been his desire to hold you and I close to him. Like he reached out for us. And the whole extension of John 3.16, what makes that verse so powerful, and I've referred to that verse a lot because it's one that we quote so much that we just blow past it and we like we miss it. Like we 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 quote it and then move on, like, okay, done. I stated my point. Bam, here's a scripture to prove it. And we throw John 3.16 out there because it's kind of a catch-all for everything we want to say. But man, there's so much beauty in that passage. Uh, it was the desire. Uh, by God. It was not just communication, it was expression. Like he reached out and he said, I'm going to hold you close. I, I think of John in the Bible. And John, whenever I uh, talk to someone and they're saying, Daniel, how do I get to know God's heart? How do I get to know him the best? And what's the best way for me to get to know God's love for me? I always tell them, read the book of John. Uh, John, um, John uh, is a expression, man. That guy was able to bring about and show an expression of God's heart unlike anything else. And if you read the Bible in the book of John, it always said the disciple whom Jesus loved was leaning up against his chest or his breast, right by his heart. It was John. Whenever they sat somewhere, John was sitting so close he could hear the heartbeat of God. Everyone else saw Jesus do miracles. John heard Jesus do miracles. Everyone else saw the, the blind healed, but John heard God's heartbeat. Everyone else saw the deaf being healed. Uh, uh, healed or the dead being raised, but John heard the heartbeat of God, and John made it a point, and when it said the disciple whom Jesus loved, it was not that God loved John more than the other disciples. It was that John loved God more than the other disciples, because whenever Jesus was sitting down somewhere, he said that we, the, the word became flesh, and we beheld his glory. He said, man, I'm going to be close to him. I'm going to see him. I don't want to see God. I want to hear him, too. He he tuned his heart to hear God's heartbeat, and and man, he was, he was, that, he was very close. His head was right there by his heartbeat. Man, my, my daughter, uh, she loves, she's small, and when she sits in my lap, she loves to put her head right against my chest, and she'll put her fingers up against my vocal cords, and when I, she'll tell me, talk to me, daddy, or sing to me, and when I talk to her, she loves to feel uh, my vocal cords vibrate. She loves to to feel that voice, uh, that 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 uh, voice, I forget what, I can't get the word I'm looking for. She loves to feel that voice uh, run through her fingertips and down into her wrist. She loves to feel my, my voice speak, my vocal cords vibrate. She loves to feel that. She loves to hear my heartbeat. It's a graphic picture, but I see this picture of a king who, man, he wants to hold us close, and he reaches for us in his actions and demonstrations of love. Every trial and test, we're given the opportunity to listen to his heartbeat. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. His right hand, he is knocking on our heart's door. And honestly, um, he's not talking to the unsaved people. He's talking to the church, the Christians. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. 
And if any man hears my voice and opens, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. We'll have fellowship one with another. When I was, uh, we lived in Granite City, Illinois once, and I was a young youth pastor. We had a small child. Uh, my oldest son would have been uh, about, about three or four years old at the time. And uh, I was preparing a lesson on a Saturday morning. My wife and my son were gone. And I was preparing this lesson uh, for the teen class the next day. And this truck pulls up outside of our house. And it was a broken down truck. And this guy gets out. And it was before Duck Dynasty was popular. He had this long beard, you know, looked like ZZ Top. And he comes walking to the front door. And he knocks on my door. And in my neighborhood, you didn't just open the door if you didn't know who they were. And I didn't know this guy. I wasn't going to open my door. I don't want to bother right now. And so I did what everyone else does. I pretended I wasn't home. (laughs) Have you ever done that? Pretend like you weren't home, like real quietly, like you're tiptoeing through the house. You're looking through the blinds. And I was just making sure he wasn't going to do nothing. And he gets in the car and he, and before he gets in his truck, um, I noticed he pulled something out of his his pocket and looks in there at a piece of paper and, and he knocked on the door for a while. So I went back to the back of the house just to avoid it. After a while, the knocking stopped, and I heard the car door shut, and, and he drove off, truck door shut, and he drove off. And when I opened the door and looked outside, in the middle of my driveway was this big Fisher-Price house, like the plastic kind. And, you know, the pink, the pink chimney and the shutters, you know, and the little faucets on the inside, the little plastic telephone. And so I called my wife. I said, did you buy this house at a garage sale and have somebody deliver it? And she says no. And I asked her because my son always played in those. We were at Toys R Us. He's always inside those houses, you know. He loved them. And which is something I wasn't going to spend money on, and but he really wanted one. Well, here's this house. And so I said, okay, I'm going to put it in the backyard, and if he got the wrong house, I'll help him haul it out. And so I carried it to the backyard, and I stuck it back there, and my wife and son pulled up, pulled up a little while later. I ran out to meet him. I told my son, hey, I got a surprise for you. You got to see this in the backyard. And so we walked around the backyard. I opened the gate, and I said, look, buddy. <laughs> you know, And he's like, oh, cool. It's here. Like he was really calm, and he said, oh, cool. It's here. And he walked up, and he kind of opened the door, shut the door, moving the shutters around, went inside, testing the faucet like a home inspector, you know, picks up the phone. And uh, he said, it came today. It finally came today. And I said, well, uh, Clark, do you, do you know, do you know, like, did you know this was coming? <laughs> he says, yeah, Dad. I said, well, did you know, um, do you know who brought this to you? He said, Dad, of course. And that had me worried a little bit. You know, at the time, we were trying to decide what we were, what God wanted us to do. We were really looking for him, and we felt like he was leading us to move our family um, 11 hours away down to the Gulf Coast. And so at the time, we lived in a neighborhood that it wasn't the best, and houses weren't selling. The housing market had just crashed. I mean, it was nobody was buying nothing. And so we were debating, should we put our house in the market, and what do we do? We don't want to lose money on it. And, and uh, I said, Clark, well, who brought this to you? He kind of looked at me, and he kind of rolled his eyes. He said, Dad, God brought this to me today. He said, I've been asking him for it, and he finally brought it to me today. Like in his mind, prayer was that simple. I just place an order, and just it's on its way. You know, you don't order something on Amazon and order it the next day, and then order it the next day, and order it the next day. You order it, and then faith, you say, okay, it's being shipped to me, and I'll wait for it. And if I get it, I get it. If not, then we'll take action there. Uh, but my son looked at prayer the same way. I, I just ask God, and I place my order. He knows what I want, and it's on its way. And it finally came today. God was using that to show me something. He was saying, Daniel, I, I, you know, I told you I want you to move, and I'm going to sell your house. We put our house in the market. It sold in six days, and we moved south, and the rest is history. But I'm just saying that to say this, that you know, God, God challenges us, man. He knocks on our heart's door, and sometimes the knock doesn't sound sweet. Sometimes the knock sounds like a car wreck. 
or the knock sounds like a job layoff, or the knock sounds like a persecution, the knock sounds like something not going our way, or an unexpected bill, and that knock is there to invite him in, not saying, God, why, but God, what? What is it you want me to learn about you? And the problem is, when God knocks, we run to the back of our house, and we, we pretend like we're not home, and man, hello, I'm talking to somebody right now. You're knocking on the heart's door. God's knocking on your heart's door, and he's saying, hey, listen, I'm knocking on your heart's door, and I'm just challenging today to listen to the heartbeat of God because his right hand seeks to satisfy you man his right hand seeks to move in your life and to satisfy you and just listen to the rhythm man you listen to the rhythm of his heartbeat for you just say God tune me into your heartbeat let me hear it and when you tune into his heartbeat you will understand that you want to be close enough to hear that heartbeat and you're going to understand that his right hand that he is moving to satisfy in your life the right hand, satisfaction is pictured there. The more you grow in your understanding of his love for you, the more you will find he's able to satisfy any need that you will ever have because he is security. He is strength. He is significance. He is intimacy. His love for you is not self-seeking. So today's homework for you is simply this. Rest in him today and listen for his heartbeat in every sound you hear today. Listen for it because it is beyond audible. Listen for God in the songs that you hear. Listen for God in the people that you speak to, in the words that you give to other people, and listen for him. And as you listen, you will discover that in the time that you share, that he has completely saturated you with his presence and his heart's deepest expressions of love. Listen today and allow yourself to be satisfied by him today. Like, listen for him. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. In all thy ways is everything I do, everywhere I go, everyone I meet. Acknowledge him means, acknowledge means to search for or discover. In everywhere I go, everyone I meet, everything I do, search for or discover God. Determine to find God in everything that's said. Every conversation, I promise you, you'll listen to his heartbeat. You will find out he is saturating you. And you'll find out that the knocks, I can trust him. When I feel the knocking, I can trust him. He is seeking to satisfy me. Satisfy me satisfy me. So th- that is that is today's uh, podcast. Next time when we join up with me next time on Lakeside, we're going to look at the ultimate test of any relationship. That is the, the resting part of this expression. The ultimate test of any relationship that you have in life can be found next podcast. I hope to see you there. Thank you so much for being with me today. God bless you. Have a great day today. Make sure you smile today. Give away your smile because your smile is your source and God made you to express your source. He's given you so much. Now go give it out. Give it out. God bless you.